Welcome to the Building a Story Brand podcast, where we believe if you confuse, you'll lose, noise is the enemy, and creating a clear message is the best way to grow your business. I'm your host, Donald Miller. I'm joined by my co-host, J.J. Peterson. Hi, J.J. Hello, Don. It's a sad day on the podcast. I know. We have to go here. I know. It's the saddest day on the podcast we've ever Ever. Because we have to talk about something that's hard. I know. Here's what we have to talk about. Hey, listen, if you're in your car, just pull over. (laughs) This is good. This is going to be rough. <laughs> JJ, you know, I know sometimes people laugh because Hold the anxiety because is it's so just, harsh. The pain is too much. <laughs> the thing we have to talk about is this. Mm. The best people don't always win. Yeah. They don't. When it comes to marketing, branding. Leadership. Politics. Yeah. Dudes who steal your girl in high school. <laughs> yes. Oh. <laughs> yes. It's almost like quality doesn't matter kind of at first. Yeah. The reason is, and we believe this at StoryBrand, we don't believe it's right, yeah. but we believe it's true, people who communicate the clearest win the day. Yeah. Brands that communicate very simply and clearly about what their customers need yeah. Win in yeah. the end. Which is what we try to help good companies do. We try to help the good guys communicate clearly. Yeah. The people who ramble on and on and on, <laughs> yeah. we say, stop talking. You just just sh- stop talking. Shut your mouth. You just shut up. Just shut your mouth. <laughs> That's most of our workshops, <laughs> yeah. our live workshops. No, shut sh- up. Sh- Don't talk. Shut your mouth. <laughs> we have a guest today on the podcast yeah. who's fantastic. I got introduced to Leela Fever, actually, by complete accident. I was walking through- Which uh, is an amazing name, by the way. Leela Fever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it should have been in the 70s. should have been a disco star. Yeah, just his name alone <laughs> makes me want to be his friend. <laughs> I got the- the fever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I got a prescription. <laughs> I'm in the airport in Baltimore, Maryland. I can't remember where I was flying to, but I, I was living in D.C. for a little bit. Walking through the airport. I buy most of my business books at an airport because I'm like, oh, I didn't. Have, uh-huh. I don't have a book on me. Let me go get a book. Yeah. And I found this book called The Art of Explanation, a mm-hmm. bright orange book. <laughs> Looks kind of like a workbook. I'd never seen anything like it in an airport. So I pick it up, and I mean, you know, on that first flight, I'm 40 pages in. I'm going, this is a Game Changer. Yeah. And the book is by Leela Fever. And it's a book about how to communicate simply. Yep. And we talk about a lot of the principles in StoryBrand. We talk about the curse of knowledge. If you've ever heard me talk about the curse of knowledge, you're so close to your product or whatever it is you're trying to sell, you know so much about it that you talk over your customers' heads and they lose interest. That's in The Art of Explanation. Lee, he is a guy who, do you remember when Twitter first came out? And Uh we were all starting to get on Twitter a little bit. But none of us really could figure out yeah. how to use it. I mean, like, <laughs> it took me forever, truthfully, to get on board because I could not understand what it was for and how to use it. Yeah, you couldn't understand. Like, why would everybody need to know what I'm doing all the time? Yeah. That's a weird. In that this that many used characters. to be yeah. a weird concept. Now yeah. it's not. Lee created the first like information video about Twitter, uh-huh. and he actually sat down probably over the course of a week and thought, how do I explain this as simply as possible? And they put that video up on their website, and Twitter exploded. Hmm. That was Lee LeFever who did that. So he's great at taking complicated ideas and helping us communicate in such a way that people understand and they know how it would apply to their lives. Yeah. So I was honored when Lee was willing to do an interview with us. And here's the thing. Everybody thinks they're communicating clearly, yeah. and they're not. Yep, They're not. There's better ways to say it. And when you say things very clearly and people understand People then engage, they make purchases, they vote for you, they donate, they buy yep. because they know that you have something that they need. So this is an interview for everybody listening. If you want to communicate anything to anybody in order to have an impact in the world or grow your company or whatever it is that you're trying to do, Lee's got something for you. 
Well, I'm excited to hear this. Let's just get right to it. Here is your interview with Lee Lefevre. Well, on the phone today, I've got Lee Lefevre, and he's the author of one of the best business books I've ever read. I was in an airport in Baltimore, Maryland, walking through the airport. I looked into the bookstore. I saw this bright orange cover on a book, went over, so grateful I bought it, read half of it on the first flight I think I was on. And I mean, it's so good. It just talked about how to clarify your message so that people can understand and engage. I mean, just terrific, terrific stuff. Lee works for a company called Common Craft, where he helps people make videos that really help them explain why their products matter in the marketplace and how people can use them. Lee, it's just an honor, honor to have you on the show. I want to know, why is creating a clear message so important? (laughs) Well, first, let me say thank you so much for the kind words. I really appreciate that. You know, I think it's one of these things that we take for granted. You know, we get so focused on our products and so focused on our branding and our messaging that I think that explanation is one of those things that we don't always take a step back and, and ask a different kind of question. And that question is not is this going to sell it? Or, you know, is this my perfect brand message? I think the question that we often forget to ask is, is this understandable? Does this make sense to the people that I'm trying to talk to? And I think that gets lost sometimes. Obviously, there's probably some evolutionary reason why we're drawn to clarity, but it's it's an absolute requirement, I think, and not only in business, but in life. I mean, it's how we as a species, you know, develop our brains and how we learn is through things being understandable. You know, we have people like journalists and teachers and people like that who focus on it, but that skill doesn't always make it in to business. And and that's something that we really want to see change. Lee, it feels to me like we're just communicating too much to our customers mm-hmm. and they can't deal with all that information, right? We're bombarding them. I, I remember recently watching a, a debate, a political debate, and these candidates, anybody who wandered into the weeds, it was clear they were going to lose this debate. But people who stuck to sound bites, they won. I mean, wouldn't you say that companies that communicate clearly are going to win? Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. I think that their mind is filled with so many things that seem so important. And it's hard to step out of that and think about, like you say, empathizing with your audience, realizing also what situation you're in. Because I always say that there's no template for making something clear. It depends on your audience and your situation. And something like a debate is a situation where, with a little forethought, I think that and these guys obviously practiced, but still couldn't necessarily get these very clear talking points through without all the baggage (laughs) that comes along with them. In your book, you talk about the curse of knowledge, and I think it's one of the better concepts in the book. It really helped me understand how easy it is for those of us who do business to talk over people's heads so they just tune out because we're just giving them too much information. Can you explain a little bit about how the curse of knowledge works? Yeah, sure, sure. Well, the curse of knowledge is basically this idea that the more you know about something, the harder it is to imagine what it's like not to know. So what happens is when we are in a situation where we're trying to explain a product or an idea, we make assumptions about our audience's knowledge. And we present our explanation based on that assumption. And what happens with the curse of knowledge is it makes it harder to be accurate with those assumptions. We assume people know more than they do. So we throw out scenarios, examples, words, whatever it is that goes over their head. We think it sounds great. Everybody knows this. I use these words every day. Surely they know it. But a lot of times they don't. 
And what happens when the curse of knowledge, you know, sort of rears its head is that people start to tune out, like you were saying before, and I think they lose confidence. I think that's the biggest outcome of a failed explanation is when you try to make something clear or you're talking to someone and they suddenly realize, I'm not getting this, this is not working for me, I don't have any confidence that this is going to matter to me, like that I can make any sense. We make them feel insecure, is that what you mean? Yeah, I think so. You know, in making explainer videos, which is, you know, our our job, one of the initial reasons we started to do that was we felt like that people were really interested in these things like Twitter and wikis and social networking and things, but they were anxious and they felt like they were falling behind, that the world was moving too fast for them. And we didn't see anybody out there really playing the role of helping them catch up and feeling confident that they could actually use and understand these things. And I think part of the reason that was the case is the people who knew enough to help others were so cursed with knowledge that they couldn't discuss these things in a way that was understandable to your normal, everyday, non-technical person. I know you spend a lot of time making informational videos for people so they can understand these complicated concepts. Mm-hmm. We spend a lot of time actually at StoryBrand helping people create websites that communicate very, very clearly. Mostly we just say, get rid of all of this text, right? But <laughs> when you go to a website, and a lot of our listeners, they just have a website and they want it to work really well. When you go to a website, what is important in terms of really grabbing an audience? <laughs> Well, I kind of look for things in terms of what questions are they trying to answer for me? And those questions are often the objective things, like this is what it is, this is what it does, this is who it's for, and those are important. But I think that the initial question that I always ask, and this is true not just on websites, but in a lot of situations, is why should I care? Like, why should I care about this? Why does this matter to me? And I think that a lot of times, lists of features come second or third to that. I have to care a little bit to be interested in what the features are or what awards they've won or what their background is. I think initially it is this question of why should I care about this? Is is that a question, is that synonymous with like, you know, what's in it for me? Like I I would be able to go to a website and, and immediately know this is what's in it for me. I think it is. I mean, obviously, every website's different and every situation is different. And I think that's the hard thing about judging something like an explanation is not knowing what their market is and what their market needs. I mean, some websites to the layman look ridiculous, like maybe you know some industrial equipment or something, but they could be speaking in a language that is actually very understandable to their audience. So there's not a one-size-fits-all approach to making something understandable. It's a combination of what I said before about audience and situation. But I, I think for most you know, small business owners and people who are going for a more general audience, that it's really easy to overdo it and overthink and try to get everything out there. And you have to think of yourself as sort of this first impression. What is the first impression that people get? And then if you can hook them, then give them a way to understand a little bit more. You actually created a video that explained Twitter. And a lot of people won't even really remember this, but there was a day when Twitter didn't quite make sense. You know, why would we need to text message 500 people or something like that, right? (laughs) And you went in and created a, a video that really made Twitter understandable and everybody could apply it and know why they would need to use it. I mean, you really are the king of taking complicated ideas and making them simple. I'm curious about steps. Like, what steps do you take when you sit down and go, okay, this is really complicated. I'm having trouble getting my brain around it. Customers are definitely having trouble getting their brain around it. What is the first step in making that message simple? That's a good question. I think that the first step is really 
Well, I mean, let me think about this in a couple of different ways. The first step we ask is, you know, when we're going to produce a new video is, is this needed? Like, is there an existing gap that this video will fill? And I think with Twitter, there very much was a gap there. There were lots of videos about point and click ways to use Twitter, but not this higher level understanding. So the first thing is, is there a gap that we can fill? The second thing is, do we already know enough to make this video or do we need to go find some information? Do we need to make sure that we understand it first? Then we think about the audience and what they need. What is their existing level of knowledge and what sort of language, examples, scenarios, analogies is going to work for this group? And with Twitter, it was everybody. So we think very, very broadly in that case about what are examples we can use that everybody would think, yes, I can imagine what it's like to do that. And I think I haven't watched that video in a little while, unfortunately, but <laughs> there are the sort of examples about like what, you know, you do care about these little updates from people you know. So the process goes on from there, but it really does start with thinking, can we fill a gap? What do we know? And then we start iterating and iteration, everything, we're huge believers in constantly starting something and realizing that the best outcome is going to come from a million iterations, you know, like iterating, iterating until we feel good about it. So do you also struggle with the curse of knowledge? I mean, you, you know, do you find yourself, I know so much about this organization or whatever. I guess what I'm really asking is, do you not want to know very much about a company or a product before you go in so that you can sort of experience that first interaction with it? It's very true. Yeah, we don't do a whole lot of custom work anymore, but when we have, we've actually told clients exactly that. Like, don't send us binders and, you know, volumes of information because we want to maintain the outsider's perspective. We want to feel like we're a person who's just learning about this because that's the way we empathize and that's the way that we kind of get over our curse of knowledge or we don't try not to develop a curse of knowledge about it because that's part of the reason that we can do what we do is by maintaining that perspective. Probably the biggest story brand paradigm shift is that your customer should be the hero of the story. The story isn't about you. And there's a big kind of change that happens in our clients' lives where they realize, I've just got to do a lot more listening. I mean, I really have to listen to my customers and understand their story and place myself in that story. But the key here is empathy. The key here is listening. Do you find that to be true? Oh, it's obviously huge. I think that uh, we love the sound of our own voice <laughs> in a lot of cases, I think. And we are constantly trying to make that impression about ourselves or our brand or, or, or what we're all about. But I don't think we can really effectively do that without involving someone else and really thinking about and being intentional about learning from them first or, or showing that we have an interest in them. Because I think that when we show we have that interest or that we're intentional about that, then that opens them up more to be able to make it a two-sided sort of discussion versus me just kind of trying to spray things onto them, which is, I think, what happens in a lot of marketing is that it is just this one-directional sort of communication that doesn't really open itself up to this sort of back and forth that I think is where a lot of the real value comes from in listening. Well, I know the main point here is that we've got to simplify our message, and I'm a firm believer in that. But I also wonder if there are any pitfalls. I mean, you've done this quite a bit. Is there anything that we need to look out for if we simplify our message too much? Sure. Well, here's the way I think about that. Some people will say that, you know, explanation, oh, I, wanted, I want to explain something. I've got to dumb this down. Or I've got to make this simple. And I think that that's a good perspective in some cases, but I think if you do try to dumb it down, if you do try to make it simple, that 
part of what you risk is condescension and looking like that you're putting yourself above someone else. And I think that the way that I prefer to think about that is actually not thinking about what is the most simple, but what is the most familiar? What is going to be familiar to them? Because that means that it's situational. It's about the audience and what their current needs are and not just this blanket of simplicity where anybody that's five years old to 85 can get. Because I think the magic is really understanding your audience first and being familiar to them. Well, Lee, I'm so grateful that you took time to be with us today. I know our listeners are going to learn a lot. If anybody wants to know more about what Lee's doing, go to theartofexplanation.com. That's theartofexplanation.com. Lee, it's one of the best business books I've ever read. And honestly, what an honor to be able to talk to you. Thanks for being on the podcast. Yeah, thanks so much, Don. We'll talk soon. Well, I know you listen to a podcast like this. You listen to these great interviews and you're kind of going, how do I apply this? So we've created a tool to help you apply everything that you just heard. If you go to buildingastorybrand.com slash worksheet, that's buildingastorybrand.com slash worksheet, you can download a worksheet for almost every episode, including this one. It's going to give you some tips, some strategies, some food for thought to execute on what you heard in this interview. It's only when we execute that we actually see the benefit. So we're giving you a tool to help you do that. Buildingastorybrand.com slash worksheet. All right, JJ. Well, this is the part of the podcast we call How They Do It. Uh-huh. And it's just a lesson from a story brand alumni who came through the workshop or bought the online course, really did some different things in their marketing, yeah. and saw success. Yeah. And Jenny She has experienced some serious success. Yes. <laughs> Here's what's fun about Jenny. She helps businesses get off the ground, and she works a lot with women entrepreneurs, helping them get nice. their businesses off the ground. Kind of like a coach? And yeah. yeah. And she also, I think she talks about this in the interview, she tends to be a little bit skeptical about not jumping in like with both <laughs> feet. She likes to dip her toes in some things, and she started with StoryBrand and just said, I'm going to apply this to basically one email, one sales sequence. And two emails later, she made 40 grand. 40 grand. 40 grand. How much would she have made? Well, off a product, she probably said she would have made between six to nine grand typically of this. And her business is exploding. And now she's ready to like apply it to every part of her business. So she talks really about how she did that and what she did. And so I think everybody can be excited about, you know, hey, in two emails, you can make 40 grand. (laughs) (laughs) I told her no pressure, but this is basically what we're selling you as is the person who can help everybody make 40 grand. No big deal. There you go. Okay. Well, let's see how she can help us make 40 grand. Exactly. Here's your interview with Jenny She. Hello. Hey, Jenny. It's JJ from StoryBrand. How are you? I'm good. How are you? So glad to be talking with you today. I am so excited to chat with you because how we've kind of set this up and we've set it up this way because it's true, is that you are somebody who can basically, I'm going to say, can teach everybody listening how to make a quick $40,000. 
Is that right? Am I wrong? Am I wrong setting it up that way? <laughs> it happened to me. I'm happy to share. I make no promises. Uh, no, I am branding you as the expert. So please do not let us down, Jenny. <laughs> so Jenny, I'm kidding. No pressure at all, but I am super excited. I've heard a little bit of your story and I'm ready for like everybody to kind of hear how you just reworked a few things and it really changed a lot of how you do business. But before we get into that. Tell our listeners a little bit about what you do. I am a coach and consultant for women who run online service-based businesses. They're like uh, life coaches, nutritionists, designers, copywriters, bookkeepers, pretty much anyone who offers a virtual service uh -huh. to a worldwide clientele that they market online. Oh, nice. For those who are just starting out, I help them get started and learn the basics of marketing and get clients coming in the door. And then for my more experienced clients, I help them grow their income, delegate to a team, and then streamline how they do their work. So they, they're not one of those people that spends endless hours working and, and burnout. It's really about building a business that supports your life, not takes it over. I love that you do that. So you really are the guide for your customers. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. And in some ways, then you're guiding them to become guides for other people. You got it. You <laughs> love got it. it. Very cool. <laughs> so you went through the story brand process. And what was it that really like made you want to do story brand? What were you kind of struggling with ahead of time? Well, I feel like I had hit a ceiling with my marketing. What I have been doing has worked really well. But in the last six months or so, I felt like it was falling flat and didn't have the same impact that it used to have. Yeah. I couldn't quite put my finger on exactly wasn't working. I just knew it was time for me to learn and try some new things. So then I found out about StoryBrand and thought, well, I'll just give this a go. See yeah. what happens. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so you have a very specific way that StoryBrand helped you after you went through the process. Tell me about that. Yeah. So the way I learn and do almost anything in my life is I learn something and then I just try to test it out in a really small way Yeah. and to just get, get a feel for it. So I had just gone through the story brand course and I, staring me right in front of the face is at the end of my main program, which is called Make It Work Online. I usually sell continued coaching support to my clients where I mm -hmm. help them implement everything they've learned over the next six months. Yeah. And what happens every time I offer this continued coaching is it just never sells well. I like I know they need this continued support to take action, but it's like pulling teeth to even sell a handful of spots to support them. And yeah. so and even the, the people who go through it see results. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it makes it makes a difference. And yeah. so I thought, well, maybe I have a marketing problem. So I've got the story brand template in front of me and I sit down one day and I start filling out the template to say, okay, how can I market this better? And about partway through, I'm like, oh, I don't have a marketing problem. I have a program problem. <laughs> and I saw how some of the things that really would make a difference for my clients just weren't included in the program. Mm -hmm. So I used the template to recreate my program from scratch. That was the beginning of everything that made all the difference. <laughs> so not just your marketing, it actually changed your product. It did. It did change my product. Mm -hmm. For those people who've been through the story brand process, I'm just curious, did that really come out in your plan? No, it actually came out when I differentiated between external, internal, and philosophical problems. Ah, uh -huh. And then I took it a level deeper and I said, okay, what are they afraid will happen if they invest in my plan? So there's a couple parts. Yeah, if yeah. they invest in this program, what are they afraid is going to happen at the end? Like, what's their dreaded outcome? And I thought, mm -hmm. well, this won't happen and that won't happen and this other thing won't happen. Okay, well then, how do I address 
those fears and adjust the plan and then really also make sure I'm meeting those three levels of needs that they have with their problems. So it's sort of in different areas of the yeah. story brand it model. came out in different spots. Love it. Yeah. Love it. So you rework your program itself and then mm-hmm. I'm assuming rework the marketing about that program as well. I did. I did it completely differently than I've ever done it before. So I filled out the story brand script and then I made a 10-minute video and I shot the video. It's just me in my office talking to these people who already know and trust me. And that's it. That was all I did was use StoryBrand to make a video script. And it then that's that's when I that's when I became a believer. Oh, that's so cool. And so I've already kind of given a little bit of a spoiler of where this goes. But basically, at the end of the program, you sent this out to the people who you had already hit before, correct? Like you've already yeah. hit this yes. this list of people before. And normally when you would have done this before, how much money would you have made in those emails? You know, like maybe like six to $9,000, like not much. And I made this offer because I wanted to help them. It was more about helping them than about making money. But at the same time, I am a business owner and it was disappointing. Yeah. Yeah. So you send out, you rework the program, you send out the new emails and what happens then? Well, so it's actually gotten better than you know, because it's gotten better since we last talked. So... I sold the program at a ridiculous price for what they get because I thought, let's just go all in and see what happens. So I gave it to them at a ridiculous price. As soon as I sent out the email, within an hour, we had three people sign up. (laughs) Within six days, we had 20 people sign up and we had to close registration a day early because 20 was my cap. I was like, I can't take more than 20 people. We had people emailing in that afternoon really disappointed that they didn't get in, but could you just give me one more spot? But I want to get in too, but I, I didn't, like, I didn't know I didn't get the other emails. <laughs> so oh so then all of these people are in a community Facebook group together. Yep. They were then going in the group and selling everybody who hadn't joined and said, if enough of us say we want to join, maybe Jenny will open up a second group. <laughs> That is amazing. You have people I've selling never, for you. I've never had that happen before. And so over the weekend, I reworked my schedule and we told them today, all right, we're going to do it. We did what you said. And we opened up another 10 spots and they haven't told them how to fill. And they're selling each other on oh <laughs> why they gosh. should join the program. So I I'm, love it. <laughs> I'm a believer. Oh my goodness. Congratulations, not only you. to you on that, but to them. I mean, you're actually inspiring dreams in these business leaders. <laughs> to make a difference in their own lives. I love it. That makes me so (laughs) happy. That is so cool. And it's exciting because this was just my, like I said before, this was my little, like, let's just try it and see what happens experiment. I haven't updated my homepage. I haven't done anything to the rest (laughs) of my website, which I now know I need to do. So based on StoryBrand, I got a lot of work to do. This was just my little behind the scenes experiment. And I just, I'm so excited for 2017 and all that I can do in my business now that I see how StoryBrand works and I just, I'm so excited. Oh, I love it. That makes me so happy. Well, Jenny, thank you so much for being on the podcast with us. And anybody who's interested in, I mean, you're going to have to wait for coaching now, but anybody (laughs) who's interested in working with Jenny, you can go to her website, which is Jenny, J-E-N-N-Y, she, 
which is S-H-I-H.com. That's JennyShe.com. You can check her out and grow your business as well. Jenny, thanks so much for being with us. Love talking with you. So excited for where this is going. And thanks for being a part of things. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. And I, I hope more business owners, you, this, I was not paid to say this, but I hope more business owners <laughs> uh, get on this story brand bandwagon because it really makes all the difference. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> so excited for you. All right. Have a great day, Jenny. Thank you. Bye. All right. Well, congrats to Jenny. She's great. And we've got another episode of the podcast coming up that nobody wants to miss. Mike Pacchione is with us. He's with Duarte, and he helps people give really great speeches. Yes. So (laughs) I'm going to ask you before the next interview, Uh and I know of a couple that I want the listeners to hear, but what are your worst speaking events of all time? Like your worst speaking? I have so many. (laughs) (laughs) So many. All right. Well, if you want to listen to the horror stories of JJ speaking, and I've got a pretty good one too, uh, you have to listen to the next episode. But I want you to hear just a little clip of my interview with Mike Pacchione just to tease it because this is a really great interview. It's going to really help you give a better speech. Here's a clip of me talking to Mike. The first thing, and you might not actually do this first, is find a great first line for the talk. So what most people do is they get on stage and they're, hey, I'm Mike. It's really an honor to be here today. I've been working with such and such company for X number of years, and I'm here at this client, and this client's a great client. And here's the problem. The first seven seconds are the times in the talk where you have the audience's attention the most. Mm -hmm. And what most of us do is we waste that warming up. And I get why that happens. It's a weird thing to just walk on stage and start talking and being serious and have everybody's attention. You would be wiser to give yourself a little pep talk backstage, walk straight on stage and just say, I'm done. I want to start today off with this story. Or like Gary Haugen's TED Talk, I think his first line is, I wish I was a better crier. That's how he starts. Wow. So it hooks you from the beginning. Yeah, exactly. Josh Shipp, I mastered the art of getting kicked out of foster homes. Boom. We're in it. We're dropped right in it. All right. Well, it just gets better from there. Of course, we are so grateful that you listen to the Building a Story Brand podcast. Please tune in to the next episode. Music from this episode is by Andrew Bell. You can listen to Andrew's music on Spotify or iTunes. Thanks, as always, for listening to the Building a Story Brand podcast, where we believe if you confuse, you'll lose. Noise is the enemy, and creating a clear message is the best way to grow your business. JJ, thanks so much. Oh, thanks, Don. All right, until next time.